This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Uh, I want to begin by thanking you all for coming. Uh, it seems that I bring a lot of snow to the D.C. area. Yeah, There's actually a history of this. Um, the last time I can remember speaking in D.C., it was um, Valentine's Day 2014, and there was a blizzard. <laughs> so, subhanAllah, here we are again, the first snow of the year. But I want to thank you for still coming. Um, and I, some, some people told me, um, came up and said they had come from all the way from Delaware. And I, I jazakallah khair for making that effort. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I just want to uh, begin by, by saying that I'm very happy to be here. And um, although my time is short here, I hope, inshallah, that... Um, Allah put blessing in it, and that we can, inshallah, communicate in a way that is beneficial for everyone. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. There's a very beautiful quote uh, by Ibn Qayyim, and this is a quote that I've really related to for many years of my life, um, and that's because I believe that we all go through struggle in life, and oftentimes we can't uh, fully or properly diagnose the reason why we struggle so much and the reason why we are suffering. And from personal experience, I have learned that sometimes we we continue to go through uh, cycles or um, sort of repeated patterns in our struggles, and we can't necessarily break those patterns until we can understand and diagnose the problem properly. And when you diagnose the problem properly, only then can you start to solve it. And so that's the reason why I love this quote. I'm just going to read it. Um, so Ibn Qayyim says, Truly in the heart there is a void that cannot be removed except with the company of God. And in there is a sadness that cannot be removed except with the happiness of knowing God and being true to Him. And in there is an emptiness that cannot be filled except with the love for him and by turning to him and remembering him often. And if a person were given all of the world and everything in it, it would not fill this emptiness. Now, that's basically the theme of what I want to speak about today. We go through a lot of struggle in life. Everyone has their jobs, their families, their friends, their school. I know there are many students. Uh, we have a lot of ups and downs in life, both you know emotionally, financially, relationship, uh, you know health issues, and it becomes sometimes very difficult to navigate these storms. Uh, you know, as I say to many of my audiences, we can't control the weather, right? Um, not even Trump can tell it to stop snowing or raining, right? Um, he might be cold right now, but he can't do anything about it in terms of making it any warmer. We can't control the weather no matter who we are, no matter how much power or money we have. But what can we do? Right now we see people wearing coats and jackets and gloves and, and, and boots. I wasn't actually prepared for this weather, so I was freezing my legs off. But um, that's because I wasn't prepared. I can't change the weather, but I can change how I respond. I can wear... I can I can protect myself. I can be in the shelter. As soon as I walked into this building, it was like life-saving, right? Because there was heat. And so in life, we can't necessarily control all the things that come our way. We can't control the weather or the storms. But what we can do is we can control what kind of shelter we have. We can control what we're wearing when the weather comes. Does that make sense? Now, what is that shelter? And, and the reason why, and this is the point I want to stress, the reason why we get destroyed by the storms of our lives, the reason why we get destroyed by the weather, why it, it knocks us out, why it debilitates us, is because we don't have proper shelter. And that's the reason. And that's the root 
cause. It isn't because, well, I just have more hardships. The reality is everyone is struggling with something. Everyone. But our hardships differ, right? Our struggles differ. One, you know, you, your struggles are different than the struggles of those who are sitting next to you. But believe me, there isn't a person in the world who doesn't have struggles. They just come in different forms. And so the reality is that when we become debilitated by our struggles, it isn't because of the struggle in itself. It's because we don't have proper shelter. It's because we don't have proper clothing, as I didn't today. Yeah? And so what we have to do is we have to make sure that we have that proper shelter and that proper protection. And that is the way to be able to handle whatever weather life gives you. Whatever weather life gives you, it will not destroy you if you have proper shelter. It might, it can, it can, it can shake you, it can make you a little cold, but it will not destroy you if you have proper shelter. And so what I want to talk about today is what is that proper shelter? What is it that I can do every single day of my life that's going to create a fortress around my heart and around my soul and around my life that can allow me to have that resilience in life? That's all. That's what I want to talk about. Um, the Prophet ﷺ tells us in a very profound hadith. Now, um, a lot of times when people speak about Islam, and a lot of the narratives that we hear about Islam for a long time, growing up, and maybe sometimes in our Sunday schools, has focused most of the time, a lot of the time, on the rules of Islam. Right? You have the haram, the things that are forbidden, and you have the halal, the things that are allowed. And it, it, it has sort of been minimized to just a list. Islam has been minimized to just a list of, of do's and don'ts, of things we can eat, things we can't, things we can wear, things we can't, things we can do, things we can't. Now, while these things are important, these things are necessary, however, we've minimized Islam to just this. And there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which he tells us something very interesting. And some of you may have heard this hadith and, and what I was amazed about is that I knew this hadith, but I knew it in a fragmented way. I learned it in a fragmented way. And I'll explain to you what I mean. The beginning of the hadith talks about halal and haram. Yeah? The beginning of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says that what is forbidden is clear, and what is uh, allowed and what is halal is clear. And between them are doubtful matters. And then the Prophet goes on to tell us that whoever stays away from the doubtful matters will be protected from falling into the things that are forbidden. And he gives us the example of a, sh- of a shepherd and his flock. That you don't take your flock close to an area you don't want them to be if you don't want them to fall into it. Everybody follow? So the beginning of this hadith is about rules, essentially, right? It's about haram and halal. But typically the discussion or the understanding that I had, at least for most of my life, is that that's where the discussion ends. That we should stay away from doubtful matters. Everybody with me? But what's very interesting is that the hadith doesn't end there. The hadith continues. And it continues to say, إِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُدْغَى Indeed, in the body there's a lump of flesh. إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ If it is set right, then the entire body is set right. وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ And if it is corrupted, and if it is corrupted, then the entire body is corrupted. Verily it is the heart. So what has the Prophet ﷺ done in this hadith? He has told us, now one might think, what's the connection? We're talking about rules at the beginning of the discussion, and then we're talking about rectifying the heart. And that connection is what a lot of us have missed. And a lot of us have missed it, not in our own, maybe no fault of our own, but maybe the way that we've been taught. That there's been this disconnect in, in terms of Islam just being about rules. But what the Prophet ﷺ taught is this unified vision of Islam. Where if you, where the heart is the master of our actions. The heart is the master of the body. The heart. And when you work on the heart, then it, it rectifies the rest of the body. In other words, when you work on the heart, it rectifies the rest of our actions, and then that rectifies the rest of our lives, and then that rectifies the rest of the world. And it starts with the heart. Now, the heart, of course, it, there's a closed loop, because our actions also affect our heart. 
So one cannot just say that I only worship God in my heart because if I am not worshiping God externally, it will also affect my heart. We are told that, for example, every time we commit a sin, a black spot is put on the heart. And so these black spots continue to cover the heart if I'm not repenting. Now, everybody commits sins, right? This is something we know. We're human. That's part of being human. But if I'm not repenting and doing my best to stay away, then I get my, my heart actually gets affected. That black spots get put on my heart. The other thing we often don't realize is that there are openings to the heart in the body, okay? To the, to the spiritual heart. Now, to protect the heart, because again, I want to emphasize the heart is the master of the body. You rectify this, you've rectified everything. The actions that, the body, the actions, and then your life, and then the world. So there are openings to the heart. In order to keep it healthy, you have to, just like if you want to keep the body healthy, you have to be mindful. You know they tell you, um, you are what you eat, right? What does that mean? It means that you are internally affected by what you ingest, right? It works the same thing spiritually. So you are what you eat spiritually. What you ingest, not in food, but in 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 what you see, in what you hear, in what you read, in what you are exposed to, in what you talk about. All of these things are input into the heart. All right? It's like it's like food that you're taking in, but it's spiritual food. And it is either toxic or it is healthy. You know, like they tell you if you want to be healthy, you eat like a like an organic raw diet, right? You eat like healthy food without pesticides and everything like that. Um, now, if you really want to hurt yourself, what do you do? You sip on poison. If you sip on poison, guess what's going to happen over time? You're going to kill yourself inside. Yes or no? So there is poisons for the heart as well. And so the problem here is that, now going back to my initial point, when we struggle in life, and I'm talking not the external struggles. Everyone has external struggles. I'm talking about when it kills us inside, right? Is everyone following? So we have the external weather, but when that the external struggle become, actually kills us inside, it happens for a few reasons. And it will happen for the very same reason that your body can become sick inside. Number one is that you are not watching what you eat. If you don't watch what you eat physically, you become unhealthy inside. Spiritually, when you're not watching what you're watching, no one, got, no one thought that was cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. When you're not watching what you're watching, when you're not guarding the the gateways to the heart, your heart becomes sick. So one of the main gateways to the heart is the eyes. It's what you look at. Simple as that. You know, it's very interesting because in the Qur'an, you know, there's a lot of things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us through the Prophet them. And there are some things He chose to give us directly through the Qur'an, His direct words. One of the things that the Prophet, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God, saw was important and, and, and crucial enough to give us in the Qur'an itself is the guarding of the eyes. Okay? We have a lot of things which rules which have been given to us through the Prophet They're just as important. But this particular ruling was given to us in the Qur'an, in the words, in the unchanged, unchanged eternal words of God. And that is the concept of guarding the eyes. Why do you think that is? It is so crucial to the health of the heart. That there is top, there is literally poison all around us. And whenever we don't guard our eyes, we sip on poison. And it affects the health of our hearts. What we look at. What we look at. And of course, we live in a society where it's, it becomes old, like ne- very, very difficult to not constantly be sipping poison when it comes to the eyes. But this is a very important struggle and a very important, for anyone who cares about the health of their heart, this has to be a fight that you, that you, that you take on. And that is guarding the eyes. In the same way that you wouldn't sip on poison. Right? In the same way that when you go to sleep at night, you wanna, you wanna protect your home, right? And, and your family. Do you close the door or do you leave it wide open while you're sleeping? 
does anyone leave their car door wide open when they when they did, when you came here today? Did you leave your car door open? No. Do you do you leave your door open at night when you're sleeping? No. You not only do you close it, but what do you do? You lock it. Some people get security systems, and that's because you want to guard what's inside, right? So when you're not guarding the eyes, it's like leaving the door wide open while you're sleeping, and then and then you wonder why there was like vandalism and. And, and someone came in and stole everything and maybe burned your house down. And that's because you kept the door open. So these guards are extremely important to the health of the heart. The ears, same thing. What you listen to. And also what you speak about. So what you talk about, what you engage, also is input that goes to the heart. And so the input that you take in. Now, if you're looking at a body. Now for you to, I just talked about health, right? But what about just keeping the body alive? What do we have to do to keep our body alive? What's the very, what's the first thing that if we're deprived of, we, di- we will die? Oxygen. Oxygen. Wow. Okay, you don't need to be a doctor to know that, right? Oxygen. So spiritually, it's exactly the same thing. I, I want to emphasize something. The same creator that made the physical rules is the same creator who made the spiritual rules. God is one, and God made the seen and the unseen. And so the rules are the same. There's, there's, there, there are parallel rules in the seen world and the unseen world, in the spiritual and the physical. So if you actually study the physical world, you learn a lot about the spiritual world. Okay? And, and part of the physical world is that you need oxygen to stay alive, right? Some people are not that sure. <laughs> or you're just really focused and you're like, <laughs> So you need oxygen, yeah? Okay. Um, okay. Um, same, same way, you need oxygen to keep your heart alive. And this is where we suffer. Now, there is a suffering and then there is a suffering. Okay? Let me give you guys an analogy. If a person isn't breathing, that's it. They won't be able to survive, right? Now, if a person is at least breathing but, but eating junk food, are they going to be healthy? But are they going to be alive? Yes. So that's how it is spiritually. There are certain things spiritually that are like oxygen. Okay? There's certain things that are like food. And there's certain things that are like organic raw diet. Then there's like vitamins and minerals. Right? And then there's like poison. Everyone following? So I'm just going to break it down. Oxygen. Let's talk about that. The oxygen of the heart spiritually is the remembrance of God. More specifically prayer. Let's just begin with that. Salah. See, when the Prophet Sallallahu told us that, that the first thing we're asked about on the Day of Judgment is prayer. This is the oxygen of the heart. If a person is not praying or praying and not praying five times at the minimum, because this is the fud. When, when we've been given this obligation, it's because it's oxygen. Anything that has been given to us as an obligation, it's because we actually can't live without it. Does that make sense? If there's something that's given to us by God as just like extra, then it means it's like it's like vitamins and minerals. It'll, it'll be healthy for us. But obligations are oxygen. And the first obligation we're asked about is prayer. And that's because it keeps the heart alive. Without prayer, the heart dies. And there really is no other way to explain it. The heart doesn't just become sick, it actually dies. And that's just like the body without oxygen. So prayer is the first thing. Okay. Um, the other type of oxygen that the body needs is the is remembering God. Now, remembering God often is like medicine for the heart. Now, this is what Ibn al-Qayyim is talking about. So whenever I talk to audiences, I usually leave them with a prescription. And that prescription is something that you can take home and do. Because right now we're talking about concepts. And concepts don't necessarily change people. Like I could be up here and I could be talking to you about fitness. Right? And I could talk to you about fitness until tomorrow. Has anyone gotten fit by just sitting and listening to me talk about fitness? I wish, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, So lectures about fitness would become really popular on YouTube. You actually have to go and do something, right? You have to apply it for it to work. And it's the same thing with everything I'm saying. If you want to talk about spiritual health, if you want to talk about protecting yourself against the weather of life, you actually have to go home and do it. I can talk to you about building a home, right? But unless you go and you actually build, 
you're not going to have protection. So this is the prescription that you take home and it works, but only if you do it. As simple as that. You have to actually practice it. So three things. The first is what I've just said, which is the salah. The prayer is the oxygen of the heart. The second part of this prescription, and I give this because it is life-saving, and I'm telling you from experience, it, it saved my life. Like literally saved my life. And, and when I say saved my life, I mean emotionally, psychologically, I mean my relationships, it saved my relationships. And so this is something that when you do, you see. And that is that you get your phone and you download an app called My Dua. It's spelled M-Y-D, as in David, U-A-A. So there's two A's. My Dua. It's like the best 99 cents you'll ever spend. And I don't get a cut. My Dua, right? So you download it, and what you do is this. There, What this app is, is it's a collection of what the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to say throughout his day. This might seem like... You know, it's like not that important. It's very important. And you only know it if you do it. So I'm just, you'll have to just take my word for it until you do it. And then you recognize that it is life changing. But basically there's a few supplications in there that you can't live without in your day. Like it, it will become a necessity of your day. The first is the morning supplications. That after you pray fetch, you open up your app and there's like on the side... There's like a picture of a moon and a sun. Click on that. And it'll give you the morning supplications. When you read through those, there's a lot. I think about 25. So what you'll do is you'll do it once. You'll spend an hour and you'll say, I'm never going to do it again. Right? That's the reality. So right now I'm going to prevent that from happening, inshallah, by telling you that there's this little thing called a star in the app at the top corner. You click on the star. And what that does is it makes your own little list. And you can make it as short as you want. Because the reality is that even if you do a small amount, but you do it consistently, it has dramatic effects spiritually. I mean, it's the same thing with the physical sense, right? If you work out for five hours at the gym one day, but then you don't go again for months, it's not going to work. But if you go for 30 minutes consistently, it will, right? Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure because I don't know that much. (laughs) Um, But the reality is... That even if it's a small amount, so you star it, and then after that, when you open your app and you press your star, it'll just be your personal list. 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can do. You know, you guys do a lot of commuting, right? You, you spend a lot of time on public transport, right? Am I in the right city? Yeah, okay. In California, you're, you're stuck in traffic, but unfortunately you're driving, so you can't really use your phone. But if you're in public transport, you can, yeah? So you do this in the morning, and then you do it again in the evening after Asr or before Maghrib. Right? So at sunset. And then before you sleep. Okay? So everybody with me? You think I'm just giving you stuff, but I'm giving you gold here. Alright? I swear to you, I'm giving you gold. So you do that. And then there's little ones that you can memorize. Basically, when you leave the house, there's a small supplication you say, and you're protected until you come back. I think that's a pretty good deal. You say something that takes two seconds, and you're protected. Right? Um, there's ones before you eat, when you finish eating, little thing, little ones like that. But the main ones I've just given you, morning, evening, and before you sleep. Okay, the last of this prescription is the Qur'an. Here's the thing. God has given us a direct connection to Him. And it's His direct words. We need to be connected to that. Even if it's just a verse a day, and you read it, and you read translation, and you reflect on it. It will change your life. This is all food. This is all oxygen for your heart and your soul. So what I've just given you are three things. Now what does that do? I'll tell you what that does. So how many of you guys have ever heard of the three little pigs story? Some of you have been deprived. It's okay. I, I ask guys, I'm like, have you heard of the three little pigs? And like three people. I'm like, you guys, what kind of childhood did you have? So the three little pigs is like, there's a really lazy pig, doesn't want to do anything. So he makes his house out of straw, very weak. And then there's another one who's a little bit lazy, but a little more able to put in work. He makes his house out of twigs, right? And then there's the third little pig who's willing to put in the work, a little extra work, and he makes his house out of brick. So what happens? The big bad wolf comes, yeah? He huffs, 
and he puffs, and he blows the first house down. Why does it blow down? Because it was weak. You feel me? The second one, he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows that house down. Okay, now what happens to the third house? He huffs, and he puffs, and he cannot blow it down. All right, what am I talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Life's going to send you big bad wolves. Anyone? Okay. Sometimes they're political. Sometimes they're in office. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they are financial big bad wolves. Sometimes they're spiritual. Sometimes they're psychological. Sometimes emotional. Sometimes relationship, health. All different kinds of things will come and huff and puff. But whether or not you become destroyed is based on how strong your house is. And how strong your house is based on the work you put in. So the, the people who put in the work to make a home out of brick, the huffing and puffing doesn't destroy that home. What I've given you, I told you guys three things, right? I told you the salah, I told you the atkar, my dua, and I told you Qur'an. Every time you do these things, you're putting a brick in your home. A brick, not straw, not twig, but bricks. And so what happens is when life happens, and it huffs and it puffs, it doesn't destroy you because you're inside of a brick home. Does that make sense? The other part of it has to do with not ingesting poison. And I explained that that has to do with guarding the eyes, guarding the ears, and guarding the tongue. Now, I want to just emphasize to you why it is that the heart is so important. See, we go through this life, and it's temporary, right? We all know it's temporary. And eventually we end up with God. There's a, there's a very powerful verse in the Qur'an in which Ibrahim alayhi salam, in an extended dua, he asks God, وَلَا تُخْسِنِي يَوْمَ يُبْعَثُونَ and do not disgrace me on the day when everyone is brought back. The day when nothing will benefit anyone of wealth or children. See, in this life, there are certain things that get us ahead, right? There's certain, there's like status symbols. There's things that, that, that give us success. And they are wealth, essentially, and power. Well, children in this ayah are a symbol of power. See, when this life is passed, none of those things are going to benefit anyone. Wealth is not going to benefit you, and your power is not going to benefit you. What will benefit you? Except for the one who comes back to God with a heart that is sound. With a heart that is sound. And nothing else is going to matter. Can we just like absorb that? And the reason why it's important to absorb that is this is ultimate success or ultimate failure. It's not like one exam you took in school and you failed, right? It's not that. It's ultimate, capital U. It's the one that you can't go back on. You know what I mean? So ultimate success is based on the condition of your heart. Ultimate failure is based on the condition of your heart. So, Except for the one who returns back to God with a heart that is sound, a heart that is healthy. And that, what is that? What is Qalbun Salim? What does that even mean? You know what? The best way that I can conceive of this concept is that Qalbun Salim is a heart that has no competitor with God. That's what that's what qalbun salim is. It's a heart with la ilaha illallah at the core. And what is la ilaha illallah? Means there's no competitor with God. But you know, a lot of people might be like, well, I only believe in one God. But that's not all it means. That's not all it means. <laughs> no competitor with God means no competitor in love. Means no competitor in dependence. It means no competitor in obedience means no competitor in, in where I put my hope and my trust. Because the reality is that many people only believe in one God. In fact, we live in a you know majority monotheistic society. But there are a lot of people who worship money. 
There are a lot of people who worship status or power, even though they only believe in one God. And so the point here is that Qalbun Salim isn't just about believing in one God or one creator. That's part of it. But it's also about what do you worship? And worship doesn't just mean prayer. Worship is what you put at the center of your life. Everyone worships something, even atheists. Everyone does. Everyone has something they put at the center, right? But it just differs for each person. Some people, they take their 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 desires and put that at the center. What does that look like? It looks like, um, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you see the one who takes his hawa as his ilah? What does it mean to take your hawa as your ilah? It means you've taken your own inclinations, your own opinions, your own desires, and you've made it your God, your Lord, your center. In other words, you've made it your master. Does that sound familiar? It's, it's, if you feel it, do it. Right? If it feels good, go for it. Regardless of right and wrong, regardless of who it hurts, regardless of morality, but if you have an, a desire for something, you obey it. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? That is worship of the desire. That is actually taking your desire and making it God. Because the reality is that what we live for and what we what we do and what we don't do for, that's a master. And so we have to actually go back and realize, what am I worshipping? What is the core of my heart? Qalbun salim, a heart that's sound and healthy, is a heart that may love lots of things, but nothing competes with the love of God. Nothing competes. Not your money, not your power, not your own inclination. Sometimes you might feel something, you might want something, but it's not moral. So what do you do? Well, we live in a society that says, do it anyways, because you feel it. And then the question becomes, well, where does morality come from? And that's part of la ilaha illallah, that there is, that morality comes from God. It, because otherwise, if you give it to people, it changes with each decade, or it changes, changes, you know, you, you go to another country, it's different. You go to another uh, decade, it's different. It just constantly changes. But there is, a, there is an, a morality that's given by God that doesn't change. And that morality has to be above what I think, what I want, what I desire. Okay. So to summarize, and then I want to have time for discussion, inshallah, and open it up. Um, to summarize, the heart, like the body, has to be healthy in order to continue to stay alive. We need oxygen. We said that was the prayer. I gave you a three-part prescription. It was the prayer, the app was what? My dua. And the third was the Qur'an. Just having a connection with the Qur'an. It's not about how much you read, but it's more about the influence that it has on you and that it's consistent. Again, consistency is more important than having it be a lot. The Prophet ﷺ said, God loves the actions that are consistent, even if they're small. So consistency. So there's prayer, there's my dua, the afkar, and then there's the Qur'an. And then preventing the body from, from the, 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 the outlets that pour poison into it. And that was the eyes, the ears, and the tongue. Now finally, and I'll just end with this. What would happen if a person said, I don't, I don't have to take a shower today because I did that last February. <laughs> right? That'd be problematic. And no one would want to sit next to this human. There'd be like a <laughs> lot of empty seats, right? What would be the problem with that? Is that, yes, maybe that person took a shower in February, but the thing about dirt is that it, it constantly needs to be cleaned, right? It's not something you do once. And it happens spiritually as well. Our hearts get covered with dirt. And you know what causes that? Our sins. Because we are human. We're sinning all the time. Sometimes we don't mean to even, but we are human, right? And so we have to constantly clean that. A person who isn't consistently cleaning themselves of sin is like a person who isn't consistently taking a bath or a shower. 
What cleans the heart of sin? It's repentance, istighfar. And so istighfar is also something that is essential to keeping the body, the heart healthy, and it has to be consistent. Because at the end of the day, you have to consistently clean and refresh the heart in order for it to stay clean and for in order for it to stay healthy. أَقُولِ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ وَلَكُمْ إِنَّهُ غُفْنُ الرَّحِيمُ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُ بِحَمْدِكَ شَهْوَانَ لَإِلَهِ إِلَّا أَنْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ I want to leave a, a good amount of time for discussion, so if you have any questions, feel free to just raise your hand. I think they're bringing you a mic. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take her first and then we'll check. Wa alaikum salam. to sort of establish is that that indeed you do not guide whom you love but God guides whom he wills so the first thing is to realize that essentially guidance comes from God and it's not I don't guide anyone now having said that I'm still held responsible for doing my best and my children have a right upon me that I teach them. That's their right. Okay. Now what's the best way? This goes now back to, I think what we've maybe done wrong is that we have, as I said earlier, we've, we've, we've minimized Islam to a list of rules. And a lot of the way that we've taught Islam across cultures is, um, this is haram. This is allowed. This is haram. This is haram, this is haram, right? And this is haram. And if you do these haram things, the moment you do them, God's going to take you and put you in hell, right? So the idea is, it's a very rule-oriented focus, and it's also very wrath-focused. Like, the way that we teach about God is as if God is just waiting for us to make one slip and then put us in, 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 in hell. And that is like telling a kid... Growing up, um, every single day, better watch yourself. If you mess up, the police is going to come and take you and put you in jail. And then the next day, better watch yourself, better watch yourself, better watch yourself. If you're always telling your kid, okay, some of it might be true, but if you're, if you're always telling your kid that as soon as they mess up, the police is going to come and, and harm them, how are they going to feel about the police once they get older? They're just going to want to stay away, right? Are they going to want to be buddy-buddy with the police? They're going to see the police and be like, hey, let's go be friends. No, they're going to actually have an avoidance type of relationship with the police. And that's what happens to a lot of youth or people growing up is that they start to just want to avoid religion. Just avoid it because they've been taught in such a way that it was just like, as soon as I mess up, I'm going to be punished. So there's like a, a, a feeling of I just want to avoid God. I want to stay away from God. Or I want to stay away from religion completely. And that's because, and I, and I think that you mentioned this, you said, how can we try to raise people that will be internally motivated? Not like I have to keep telling them, you know, like external. How do you make it internal? And I think the answer to that is, is, is very beautifully said. You know, Aisha radiallahu anha says, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, she said in a hadith that if the first verses to be revealed were stay away from alcohol, people would have said we're never going to leave alcohol. If the first verses in the Qur'an were do not commit fornication or external um, relations outside of marriage, people would have said we're never going to give that up. 
But the first verses weren't about those rules. The first verses were about building a deep love and connection and attachment to God. And a fear of displeasing Him out of that connection and that that love and that attachment. So the core, the, the foundation has to be love of God, attachment to God. You have to make a relationship with Allah. And when you have a relationship with Allah, then the rules become easier. Remember the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, in the body there's a lump of flesh? See, if you rectify the heart and the heart's relationship with God, then it becomes, when when the rules came, so guess what happened? So the first verses weren't give up alcohol, give up interest, give up, put on hijab, you know, don't don't commit fornication. That didn't come at the beginning. It came later on, after the people had already built that love and that attachment with their creator. Then those rules came later, and guess what the response was? Sami'na wa ata'na. We hear and we obey. You know, when you love someone, they say jump, you say how high. When you love someone. But when you don't, when you don't even know them, okay, complete stranger comes and says jump. <laughs> right? Or someone that you actually really just been like, like the police. You know? The point is, what's your relationship with the person saying jump? Do you get what I'm saying? If your relationship with the person saying jump is a deep love and a deep um, attachment, then they say jump, you say how high. But if you don't have a relationship with them and they're a complete stranger, you say why? What should I? Right? And that's a lot of people's feeling about religion. Like why? Why? Well, because it's like a stranger telling them. God, God is a stranger. God is either a stranger or, you know, a drill sergeant or a'udhu billah or like the police is just waiting for them to mess up so they can throw them in jail. But that's not who God actually is. And so it's really about going back and knowing who Allah is and building that connection to Him and teaching your children that. A really good way to do that is through gratitude. Of teaching, like showing your children or basically for us too, to realize all that God has given us. And how much He loves us and how much mercy He has. And, and the practice of gratitude is one of the best ways to build that bond. You know, just, just like with a human being. The more you are grateful, the more you're gonna feel closer to that person, the more you appreciate them. So that, that's very, very important. So you have that foundation, and then it becomes more internally motivated following the rules. Because you, you, you actually have your own personal relationship with God. It's not, my mom told me. I'm, I'm Muslim because it's on my passport, you know? But it's that you yourself have built that relationship. And relationships don't get built overnight. They get built by the daily things that you do. And it's, interestingly enough, you'll notice that it's the small, consistent things, just like with human relationships. In human relationships, you'll find that it's the small, the small, consistent things that build a bond. And it's the same thing with God. It's those small things that you're doing every single day that I mentioned already that build that bond. You had a question. I prayer and like life, right? Um, I travel a lot as well. Um, one thing that I've learned from experience is that, that this cliche uh, where there's a will, there's a way is very true. Okay? Um, if you make tra- if you make prayer a non-negotiable, you'll find a way. And that's without a shadow of a doubt. Now what are the rulings? Well, when you're traveling, majority say that you can combine prayers and shorten. Okay? depending on which school you follow. But majority say you can combine and shorten. Some say you can just shorten and not combine. But if you can combine, then that gives you a bigger window. And there really is no reason that you can't pray. If you're taking an exam and you need to go to the bathroom, it could be the MCATs, you know? It could be the LSAT. It could be anything. But the reality is that it's just like 
there, that's a non-negotiable. I, I'm sorry. Like you're in a you're in a meeting, you're in a you're in a lecture, you're in a and the professor might get annoyed, but guess what? You don't really care because you need to go to the bathroom. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're sleeping and it's 5 a.m. Sounding like you get what I'm saying? It's 5 a.m. In other words, Fajr time, and you really need to go to the bathroom. Are you gonna get out of bed? Yeah. You are, right? You're not going to take care of your business in bed since you were five or however, hopefully. Um, because you're just lazy or because, or because you're just tired. You could be, you could have, you could have just slept. You could be so exhausted. You could be so comfortable, but you're still going to get up and you're going to use the bathroom. So the reality is that we already understand this concept of where there's a will, there's a way when it comes to physical needs. Simple as that. Um, I think we can take a few more. Yes. You can speak loudly. Um, you mentioned before that to have a sound heart, you can't have any competitors with, with um, Allah. But what if you have like desires like to pursue your passion? Where do you draw the line between doing whatever you have to do to pursue your passion and like having like, you know, a lot like Yes, I'll repeat your question and then, yes, I get what you're saying. So she's saying that I said that a sound heart is one that doesn't have a competitor with God. But what about if, like, you want to pursue your passion and, like, in a career, for example, and you want to do whatever you need to do to get that, to get there, right? And where do you draw the line? Okay, great question. So, again, it comes down to, it comes down to what's number one, all right? If you can, you can have God as number one and still pursue your passion, as long as the, at no point does it contradict. When you get to a crossroads where there's a contradiction now, right? Pursuing your passion involves doing something haram. For example, whatever that happens to be. That's where you have to make a choice. And you will always choose what you love most. That's where um, the thing that, that that's actually your ilah is going to take precedence. Does that make sense? And so what it means is it doesn't mean you can't love things. It doesn't mean you can't pursue things. It just means that when there is, there you get to a point where there's a, there's a conflict or when it comes to what is number one. Does that make sense? And there's going to be times where there's conflict. And that's really the essence of tests, isn't it? We were told that we're going to be tested. What does that mean? These are the, this is the example of, of a test. Where you're going to be, you're going to face a conflict. Okay, in order to, to, to get this thing in my career, I'm being asked to do something immoral. And that's when you go back and you have to ask, you have to go back to your principles. Yes? Is there anything to recommend to be consistent? Okay. It's a big struggle. Consistency, yes. So oh. you get into these cycles when you do something. Even very religious, you start yeah, and then you fall off the wagon. Yeah. So she's saying she's asking about how to stay consistent because sometimes you go through phases where you're like, you know, you're on a spiritual high and then you go down. Okay, great question. Uh, there's actually a chapter in, in Reclaim Your Heart about this. It's called Awakening, and it's about the spiritual high and then how do you av- avoid this like roller coaster? Okay, so ups and, like these ups and downs in faith are normal. And that's something people have to realize. The Prophet ﷺ said that iman, or faith, rises and falls. It rises and falls. And and what happened was actually, the incident was that Abu Bakr and another companion came to the Prophet ﷺ and they were really like disturbed and they said, we've become hypocrites. And the Prophet asked him, ﷺ, why are you saying this? And the reason is they said, because when we're with you in your presence, we feel our iman is so high, it's as if we see heaven and hell with our eyes. But then when we go back to our families, it's not the same. Okay, So they're having that, that concern. Do you know what the Prophet ﷺ says to them? He says, if you have the same level of faith as all the time as when you're with me and when you're not, then the angels would shake hands with you in the streets. Meaning you wouldn't be human, you'd be an angel. So he explains that Iman rises and falls. Now, how can you navigate that? That's the question. So there's a certain level of rising and falling of Iman that's that's part of being human. But there's a difference between this and this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
crash and burn. So there. So what, what you can do is you can you can't prevent right like slight rises and falls because it's part of. Sorry, I'm just so animated. Um, it's part of being human, but you can preventing you can prevent crash and burn. This thing where I'm I'm at the top of the world and then I'm just like down, 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 and it just doesn't stop going down, right? I'll tell you how you prevent that. It is by picking your battles. In a sense, basically you pick non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. Meaning, I do this like I do, like I breathe, regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of where I am, regardless of what's happened, regardless of how upset I am, how poor I am, how rich I am. There has to be certain non-negotiables. As human beings, does anyone say, I'm having a bad day, so I'll breathe tomorrow? Or, I'm really busy studying for an exam, so I'll do I'll breathe next week. Why do we not do that as human beings? Basic things we have to do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of day you're having, you're going to breathe. It doesn't matter how much money you have that day, you're going to breathe. It doesn't matter who you got in a fight with, it doesn't matter who you're, what you're studying for, you just have to breathe. And so what it is is that you have to, within yourself, make these non-negotiables. I'm not telling you you're going to read a just a day every single day. Like, I'm not telling you you even need to do that to stay alive, but there are things you have to do to stay alive. And I gave you them. I actually gave them to you. They are your salah. Like prayer, and I'm, I'm not up here saying it out of a concept. I, I'll tell you, my life is like insane. <laughs> okay, like capital I. It's actually insane. Like if I told you about my life, you'd be like, no, that's not real. <laughs> okay? But the only way I can survive my life, right? Like, you know what? Crazy stuff comes my way. I'm just, just, my, just in various different reasons. Okay? But the only way I can survive is that these are like, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter what's been thrown at me, I have to be consistent in these things, and that's what's kept me alive. That's it. That's it. So so really what it is is that consistency is about picking, re, being able to, to, to sift through and say these things, no non-negotiable. And that's what I've tried to do today is give them to you. Like, here guys. In a, in a platter. Here, I, I narrowed it down, I boiled it down after like a lot of trial and error from, from my own life, and I'm like, here it is. This is it. And, and it doesn't take that long. It's not actually a lot of work. Cause I'm, I'm not a very, I'm pretty lazy myself, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'll look, and even in school, like I'm a maximizer, so here's what I would do, right? Like my mom is a completely different personality. She will just like, work and read every single thing and like put in a million zillion hours me i'll look for the quickest way to just to just get it done and to do the best i can but i will always look for the shortcut in everything to have the the least amount of effort to get the most result that's just how i am that's how i think about everything so i'm a very like that's the type of person i am so i'm that's what i've done for you right now i'm trust me i've narrowed it down it doesn't take that long To, to pray five times a day and to, to do the three things I said, literally if you add it all up together, probably the entire day take less, they'll probably take like 40 minutes of your day. To pray five times a day plus do the afghar, that's like 40 minutes out of the entire day. So it's, it's actually not a lot, but I'm telling you that the effect is a lot. Does that make sense? And if you make it a non-negotiable regardless of what's happening in your life, then you'll prevent that crash and burn from happening. Yes, you might have ups and downs, but it won't be the abyss. It actually becomes like a protection from going into the abyss. Yes. Yeah. You. So, uh, my question is, I think that things are on the regular basis, right? There's a little bit of information that is affecting the heart, right? Yeah. And so, and that information whatever articles, and that's negatively affecting their heart, right? But you also see information or see images that are also very unsettling, right? So you put up the morning in the state of refugees, and you're just like, where do I, in this mundane, I can't even be in a neutral life. I'm in this, in this place that takes me somewhere else that I have, a lot of times you feel like you don't have control of. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, you can put yourself in a bubble. So what is it that you do with this reality that 
you are your heart is constantly being unsettled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even in the mundane. Okay. Yeah. Great question. Okay. I'm glad you bring that up. Um, here's the situation we live in right now. I believe that we live in a sort of unnatural um, place where we have an unnatural access to information. Like, see, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they would only know about maybe what's happening down the street, across the desert. But we live now in a time that if someone falls off of a balcony in, I don't know, Chad in Africa, we can know about it. We have access to everything, anytime. I think it's too much. Okay? It's actually too much for the human being to process. So you actually have to manage it. Really. If we open ourselves up to every horrible thing that is happening in the world at any point in time, it's too much. Honestly. It's just actually more than the human psyche can cope with. So part of it is really being mindful of what can I do? Like, because because also all of this that comes at us, it isn't necessarily, it isn't actually doing good necessarily. It may be just paralyzing us, right? I mean, there's a certain amount that like an activist needs to know because they're taking, you know what I'm saying? But we have to really be conscious of, is this like, what can I do? And is this healthy? And, and just managing it, managing it. I mean, I talk, uh, one other t- like tool that I find to be very, very helpful is managing our feeds because we're on social media a lot. And if you manage your feed, it manages a lot of the intake that you have. So it's kind of like managing your, your fridge or your cabinet because that's what you're going to eat. And, and so your, your news feed on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, if you can manage it a little bit and, 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 and make it more healthy, that will help a lot. And, and when I say healthy, there's a few things I mean. One is that it enriches you. It doesn't, it's not all negative. Like negativity, like if it's, if you're just bombarded by negativity, negative, 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 you start to see the world as dark. And it changes how you interact with the world. And it will actually change how much you can practice. I'll give you an example. If every single possible um, hate crime that ever happened anywhere in the world is on your newsfeed, guess what you're going to want to do? Basically take off your hijab because you're scared. And you're scared because there's a disproportionate amount of exposure to negative things. So you start to actually think the world is really much worse than it is. And that, it's like the percentage might be small, but the amount of exposure you have makes it look much bigger. Is that making sense? See, in psychology, what you focus on grows. And you can start to be, have like a, a skewed reality, like a skewed vision of reality, if you're only focusing on one type of thing. And if it's negative, you're going to start to see the world as more negative, and then it's going to affect you, and you're going to feel a lot more uh, afraid and maybe a lot less able to be um, sort of vocal or maybe uh, external about your about your deen. You're just going to be, it's going to affect you. So the, the reality is you have to manage that. And I'm glad you said that. If you can just manage your newsfeed, it goes a long way to make it to, you know, it's, it's cool that someone's eating a burger, but maybe um, there's other things that could be more enriching on your, that you're looking at every single day. Like, you know what I'm, do you get what I'm saying? Um, and there's this, this little thing, this amazing thing on social media called unfollow and it's, no one needs to know and, um, it's helpful sometimes because guess what? Like it's cool. Like, yeah. Um, you don't need to know what everyone's eating and then see a photo of it and then see like every angle of the selfie. It's okay. It's okay. So it's, it's sometimes, and, and, and what Kim Kardashian's doing and wearing and all of these things are like, okay, but how healthy are they in terms of enriching you? Just think about it. When you, before you eat something, you ask, how healthy is this? Yeah? And this is what you're eating every single day. It's what you're following. You know what I mean? It's like, and how much time do we spend on it? Like a lot. More than the 40 minutes that I mentioned, you know, per day. So just think about it. 
Yeah. I think I have time for one more question. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I can take a few questions. Um, who, who has the questions? You did, and then there was someone else. Was it you? And you. So three? Is there three total? Okay, so I'll hear all your questions, and then I'll answer them together, and then we'll do the books, inshallah. Yes. Why, Sam? First of all, I'm so glad Yes. <laughs> so, uh, by mentioning um, how to be like uh, connected to God and uh, to make your heart more healthier. So this is on the, I see it on the personal side. Like uh, as Allah says, also like most actually like the people we surround. As they say, like you are the average of the people that you sit with, you surround yourself with. I found it here really uh, difficult to be honest with you. So as I came from Egypt, like I have been here for almost two years. So I found it it's, it's really difficult. So one part which is like you need to be surrounded with people, really good people. So in order to, to have a mentor, uh, a mentor, you know. So in order to have, uh, you want to ask about your lifestyle, uh, am I doing the right thing or not, you know. This is one part. So the second part also which is like uh, how to be influenced. Like if you yeah. have like foreign people, have to represent your religion in a good way. Right. So. What do you suggest for something like that? So for having know, good company. Yeah, I, I I really I really understand. Like uh, when I do my my five prayers, when I do the morning zikr, the sad zikr, and also before sleeping, and when I when I go, this is the yeah, this affects me uh, very well, and I feel it inside so good. But yeah. also, like when you, when you go outside the house, when you yeah. deal with people, yeah. when you need that all of this stuff, like what do you suggest? Okay, that's a very good point. Um, so I'll take the other questions and then I'll just answer them. Who else had a question? Yes. So my, my question is... Uh, my question is, throughout my, my personal day-to-day dealings with people, I, I run into a lot of good people, uh, well-meaning people, people that have good hearts, but they, they don't really know why they do what they do. They, they don't have a sense of purpose. A direction, they don't have something that they want to put their life into that can be, uh, I guess, a greater service to themselves and other people. And, and I think what you talked about was great as far as how to cultivate a, a good heart. But then what, what is the next step as far as like channeling that into a, a purpose okay. to something that you can use to serve others? Okay, perfect. And the third one? Yes, purple. Hi, um, so I have a question about, um, I know you were talking about the environment and a lot of times we take in um, a lot of the negative, whether it's um, listening to something or um, watching something as well, but what exactly would you do in a situation where um, it might even be your job or a family member or being a part of that environment and kind of statement in which you feel like Okay, okay, so that's, so Hello. Um, I just wanted to ask you if there's a clear distinction between spiritual and mental health. Okay. Well, that's that's a whole seminar. <laughs> 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 um, but um, okay, I'll do my best. Bismillah. So there was a couple, two questions about about environment and about company. That's a very very important aspect, and typically I include that in my formula, and that is the Prophet said that, uh, for example. That the person is on the same deen, the same way as their closest friend. We actually become like those people closest to us. We actually morph into them. Um, and you'll find this with like spouses and like siblings. and You actually become very similar to the person who's, who you're closest to. So you have to be very mindful who you take as your closest friend. It has to be someone who's going to make you a better person because you're going to become like them. Okay. Uh, that's number one. And and there's another hadith where it says that, that good company is like entering a perfume shop. And even if you don't leave with perfume, you come out smelling good, right? You go into the Bath and Body Works, you come out with all the samples, you know, you, you, you smell good, even if you didn't buy anything. And then a bad company is like going into a blacksmith's shop. Even if you don't get burned, you come out with smoke and like you smell that coming out. And so your company definitely affects your heart, for sure. Now the question is, what do you do when you can't necessarily get good company? 
All right. Number one is you make du'a for it. This is one of the things that the prophets used to make. What hifni bi salihin? Like you, the, the 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 prophets used to ask for good company. So what about us? You know what I'm saying? It should be something we make du'a for. They ask Allah for good company, righteous, righteous companionship. Uh, you know, like righteous spouses. We ask for that in in the Quran. There's a du'a. Rabbana hablana min azwajina udhriyatina qurrata a'yun. That you're asking for to make your spouses the coolness of the eyes. Your good company. Something ask Allah. That's a gift given by Allah. Ask Him for it. The other thing is to do your best to try as much as is in your power to leave bad company and to be in good company as much as you can while also asking God okay the third thing is if it's absolutely impossible and until and by the way nothing's permanent in this life so it eventually will change but for the time being of when you can't say find good company or you can't avoid bad company by the way it's better to be alone than in bad company yeah it's better to be alone it's better not to drink anything than to drink poison Okay. But say that, like you said, it's your livelihood, you're getting, whatever reason you could just say you can't avoid it, the prescription I gave you will help protect you from its effect. So say a person who has to work um, in, a, in a plant where there's radiation, what do they do? It, they can't avoid it, so what do they do? They put on gear, they put on protection. And so that's kind of what it is. The dhikr itself, the afkar itself is a shield, and it will help protect you from the effects of that radiation of being in bad company. Okay, uh, you asked about directing that into into like helping others and serving others. How can you direct? You know, say you're uh, individually, like maybe you're good, you're practicing these things uh, spiritually, but how do you then direct it to, to help society and help others? I, I'm a big advocate of that. That's something also that um, I spend a lot of time talking about service and how Islam is about service essentially. And, and the Prophet ﷺ said that one of the most beloved, that the most beloved action to God is to help others, to serve others, uh, to aid others. He even said that I prefer to go to help my brother or sister, to help someone in need than to be in atikaf, is seclusion in this masjid for a month. And he's pointing at Masjid the Nabawi, right, in Medina. So this is a huge part of our deen. Question is how? I'm also the advocate of istikhara. Istikhara isn't just something that you pray the night before your wedding. But istikhara <laughs> is, is like this amazing gift that God gave us. We need to use it for career choices. We need to use it for uh, choosing our major. We need to use it for, you know, you're making a decision of where to move. Istikhara is asking, it's a gift. So asking God... To, to direct you in the best way and, and, and praying istikhara about how can I serve how can I serve God through serving people in the best way that's something you should ask Allah I actually have to leave for the airport in about 15 minutes so I'll quickly inshallah do books Jazakallah khair and keep me and my family in your du'a Assalamu alaikum